0: Thank you, Alan. And certainly I wish to thank uh, Pastor Ron for giving me the opportunity to share with you today. And actually, what uh, Alan has done is a great lead in because we're going to be talking about stewardship today. Now, I realize when somebody, when you start talking about a message of stewardship, we respond to that almost like we do a telemarketer. We either hang up quickly or maybe in the case today, we stop listening. And I think some of the reasons people do that, that they spell stewardship, M-O-N-E-Y. And, you know, giving is a part of stewardship. But this morning, I want us to understand that stewardship is a way of life. It affects every decision you make and every action you take. And when we start reading the scriptures, we discover stewardship is a constant theme of scripture. Matter of fact, God introduces and emphasizes the word steward and stewardship in Genesis chapter one. He tells Adam and Eve that they are to replenish the earth, subdue it, and rule over all the animals. And continue throughout the Old Testament and you see constant verses about stewardship. You turn into the New Testament, and Jesus preaches more about and teaches more about stewardship than he does about heaven, hell, and prayer all combined. Half of his parables deal with stewardship. One person has researched and said there's about five or 600 verses in the Bible dealing with prayer and faith. But there's over 2,000 verses dealing with stewardship. So if the Bible talks that much about stewardship, surely we should do. So let's begin by defining what we mean by stewardship. Let's look at Webster's definition. He says, the careful, responsible management of something entrusted to us. Two important things about that. One is stewardship deals with management, not ownership. And secondly, we're managing someone else's resources. Now, let's bring that into focus and look at a Christian definition of stewardship. It is a way of life in which we regard ourselves and all that we have as a trust from God to be used in his service ...and the way he desires. So you see, stewardship is a way of life. It influences the way we use our time, talents... ...our possessions, our abilities, influences... ...everything about us is affected by stewardship. One person has rightly said... ...when you make the commitment to be a disciple of Christ... ...stewardship is not an option. So let's talk about stewardship. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25... ...and we'll look at verses 14... Through thirty, And that's a parable that Jesus talked about stewardship. I must look at four principles of stewardship from this passage. And if we apply those principles of stewardship, two things are going to happen. One is we're going to be a faithful and pleasing steward of God. The second thing is that we will be able to enjoy the blessings of God's kingdom, not only here on earth, but throughout all eternity. Let's share that together. For it... Now, the word it refers to the kingdom of heaven, going back to verse 1 of that chapter. Now, the kingdom of heaven refers to God's sovereign rule. When you and I accept Christ as our Savior, we become a part of that kingdom. We agree to God's sovereign rule over our lives. And we say that we're going to live our life differently. We're going to have different values. We have different purposes, different motivations. And Jesus says, for if the kingdom of God is like a man going on a journey... He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man who earned two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Then the man with two talents approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I have earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But the master replied to him, You evil, lazy slave. If you knew that i reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would receive my money back with interest. So, take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, in these moments, would you allow us to set all things aside so that we can focus on what you want to say to us? And give us the courage, this wisdom to make decisions this morning that will bring glory and expansion to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this parable, the very first principle we would find about stewardship is that God is the owner. God owns everything. Look what the psalmist says. He says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Moses says the same thing in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, to the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Now, we see God's ownership in this parable as he distributed his possessions to his servants. Notice he gave one, five, one, two, and one, one. He did not give them all the same. And the scripture says he gave them according to their ability. But, you know, that is the prerogative of ownership. Owners have rights. It's his property. He can do with it exactly as he wants. What's true in this parable is all true, also true in our lives. God entrusts resources to us, but not all equally. For example, some of you in this church have far more influence than others. You may have more influence in your workplace than other people. Some of you are more musically talented or have more natural abilities than others. We come from a wide range of economic levels. We we can continue that list of inequality, but the point is that God has entrusted to us resources for him to manage, and we're to use that for his honor and for his glory. God is the owner, well What about us? What's our position? Well, the scripture reminds us that the principle number two is that we are managers. God is the owner. He has rights. We're managers. We have responsibilities. God is the source of everything we have. He's the source of our intellect, a source of our abilities, a source of our influence. And here's the key. If we remember that God is the source of everything and we're connected to him by faith, we will never run out of resources. The scripture reminds us, if we keep the kingdom of God as the highest priority, then God will not only meet our needs, but we will enjoy His great blessings. Think about how much freedom that gives you to know that you own nothing, but have been entrusted with much. That gives us freedom from worry, from being stingy. But it also gives us freedom to share and to give liberally. Look what Jesus said. He says, don't be upset. Always concerned about you will eat or drink. Instead, be concerned with his kingdom and he will provide these things to you. We are the managers. But what if we forget that we're managing and we start owning stuff? What if we go around and saying, this is my stuff, this is my money, my time, my abilities, and I will do with it like I want. We end up being like the third third servant. And we turn the principles upside down and we become possessed by possessions. Then we start operating in a kingdom that's dominated by Satan rather than a kingdom that is dominated by God. Is there anybody here that remembers Jack Benny? Two or three of us. Jack Benny was a comedian. He had a variety show on TV in the late 1950s. Jack Benny was always portrayed as a tightwad. And one skit, a robber comes up behind him and sticks a gun in his back. And he says, give me your money or your life. And there was a long silence. And finally, the robber said, well, and Jack Benny says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And that reminds us when we are possessed. By our possessions, what happens to us. How do we avoid that? One of the things we can do is do a quit, quit claim deed, Q-U-I-T. Quit claiming that we're owners and recognizing that we're managers. Now, I realize you can't see this, but if you've ever taken a crown Bible course, you will see this is one of the first things that you're asked to do, is to recognize God is the owner. That's small print. Let me read to you what it says. It says, I hereby see myself as a manager, enjoying what he intends me to keep and distributing what he intends me to go elsewhere. From this point forward, I will think of these assets as his to do without his wishes. I hereby transfer to the Lord the ownership of the following. And I've just simply listed everything, home, cars, toys, time, talents, everything you have, everything that God has entrusted to you that you acknowledge is his. God is the owner. We are the manager. Well, what do we manage? Well, really, we summarize it. We manage everything. We manage the earth. God has given us the stewardship of the world, just like he did to Adam and Eve. And that, in, that stewardship involves protecting his environment, maybe recycling. And so the next thing, next time you're driving down the road and you roll down the window, you're ready to throw out your trash. Remember, a responsible steward doesn't do that. Because we want this world to continue to proclaim the glory of God. He's given us our body. And so the stewardship of our body means that we are to have good health, nutrition, exercise, sleep. That we're to avoid doing anything that would harm our body, whether it's through our eyes of what we see, our, our bodies of what we take in from a bottle or a needle. He's given us time. So that involves time management. We're to manage our time so that God receives the glory. If you find yourself, Christian, saying, I just don't have enough time to spend a daily time with God, then you realize you're becoming the owner of time and not the manager of time and not being a responsible manager. He's given us material possessions. Whatever material possessions you have, it's a trust from God. And he's just simply allowed you to put your name on it. Look at what David said. This was a prayer that he was praying to God when all the people were bringing resources in to build the temple. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give generously as this? Everything comes from you and you've given and what we have given you only comes from your hand. So everything you have, every possession you have is from God. Well, he's also given us influence. Whether you have influence in this congregation or influence in your job place, influence in your community, you're to use that to bring honor and glory to God. He's given us salvation. That we respond in faith to God. And now we have the responsibility to live by His standards of His kingdom. And a stewardship of our salvation is to share it with other people. The reality is then that stewardship is not just a program for giving. It is a way of life. Everything that God has entrusted to you, he invites us to use in his behalf. And remember this. All the blessings we experience in this world and our heavenly treasures will depend directly on how responsible you manage God's resources. Principle number one is God is the owner. Principle number two is we are the managers. Now, there's principle number three. That we are responsible to God and accountable. We see the master coming back and he tells his three servants, what did you do with my money? Two of the servants came and said, here, we have doubled what you gave us. The master recognized they were responsible servants. What they did pleased him. So he rewarded them by expanding their responsibilities and then inviting them to come and to share his Happiness and his joy. The third servant came. If you remember reading the scriptures, his words condemned himself. He says, I know you. I know that you're going to hold me accountable. But what the third servant did is ignored that. He acted like the owner. He buried it in the ground and he gave it back to the master. and says, here is what you've given to me. The master recognized irresponsibility, unfaithfulness. He had betrayed the master's, tru- the master's trust and he took away his talent. And the second thing is he cast him away from the master's presence in, where there's gnashing and darkness and gnashing of teeth. Two points of application we need to remember about our accountability. And that's first of all is that God holds us accountable of how we use resources entrusted to us, not How much you have. God holds us accountable of how we use resources entrusted to us, not how much we have stuff that we accumulate in life. Go back to our parable. The first servant had two and a half times as much as the second servant. But if you notice carefully, each one received exactly the same reward. Faithful stewardship is being responsible to God with what he's entrusted to us, not how much we have. Satan often uses comparison to seduce us to unfaithfulness. We look around and we see people with more stuff, more abilities, more money, and we tend to then excuse or exempt ourselves from being responsible. Throughout almost 40 years of ministry that I've shared, I've heard people come up and say, you know, if I have as much talent as those, then I would really be active in the church. But, you know, I just can't do anything. Or some have said, you know, if I had a million dollars, I would really be generous and I would give liberally. And each time I heard that, I would say the same thing. No, you wouldn't. If you are not responsible with what God has entrusted you, then you will not all be responsible if he multiplied it ten times. And why should God give you more stuff that you're not going to be responsible with in the first place? So we're held accountable of how we use resources, not how much we have. The second thing we need to keep in mind is this. Irresponsible stewardship is robbing God. Look what Malachi says. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Now, obviously, the specific application of this verse is about giving. But I think the principle applies, whether we're talking about time, whether we're talking about our ability of influence, whatever. If we hold those back from God, we are robbing Him. Stewardship reminds us we do not have the right to do with what God has entrusted to us the way we want. The third servant thought he owned stuff. He thought he could do with it exactly what he wanted. And the result of that was dire consequence. And that really leads us to the fourth principle. Every decision we make is a spiritual decision. Because there are spiritual consequences. Why is that so? Because we're using God's resources. Whether you choose to buy a car or new clothes or whatever you use your time or your uh, influences, those resources have been given and trusted to you by God. And every time you make a decision, every action you do has a spiritual consequence. I think the church has done poorly in emphasizing this. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example about giving. I think we have done well in saying that we should give to God. But we've almost implied this. If you give to God, then the rest of it is yours. But let's go back to principle number one. Who's the owner? God is. How much does he own? 100% of it. So I really think the scripture teaches us that the minimum level of giving is a tithe, is 10%. And there's 90% left. But still, we have the responsibility to seek God and how we should use that 90%. So you see, we can be consistent tithers and still not be a faithful and responsible servant of God. Every decision we make has spiritual consequences. Suppose a friend of yours asks you to be the executor of her will. You agree? She dies. And you start taking that will and going through and distributing the assets of her estate. In that will, it says that she wanted $2,000 donated to a local charity. Now, you don't like that charity. You don't like the people who run it. You don't like their purpose. But do you have a right to refuse to give them the $2,000? And we shook our head no. Why? Because it wasn't his. It was the owner's decision. And so that makes us a reality that we are executors of God's resources. We're to seek him and saying, how do you want to use my life? How do you want to use my influence? How do you want to use my money? I think this means that we have to stay very intimately connected with God in prayer. Discovering what is mine. We need to become involved in the scripture so that. We understand all these principles of stewardship so that we can use what God has entrusted to us to bring honor and glory to him. We are accountable. And that accountability means that every decision we make. Has spiritual consequences. Notice this next point. Our heavenly treasures depend upon how faithfully we use worldly things on earth. Think about that statement. Our heavenly treasures depend upon how faithfully we use worldly things. Don't we see that illustrated in this parable? Two people faithfully served God and they were able to share their master's heavenly presence and happiness. The third servant thought he was the owner and he was cast away from the master into outer darkness where there's gnashing of teeth. Jesus commands us that we're to lay up treasures in heaven. How do we lay up, lay up treasures in heaven except the way we manage what He's entrusted to us on earth? The Gospel of Luke puts it pretty plainly. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little is, will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who would give property of your own? Don't these people in the parable that we just read illustrate that? The third servant was not trustworthy with worldly possessions. What happened? He had no heavenly treasure. He was removed from God's presence. Notice verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will have love, hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money when we attempt to become the owner, we do the latter and so Jesus reminds us the greatest threat to his lordship is. Our attitude toward money or maybe the attitude of ownership versus management. When we become like the third servant and choose to become the owner, then we lose all of our heavenly treasures. So I hope this morning the discovery is that stewardship is not just about giving. It's a way of life. It affects every decision you make. Every action that we do, God is the owner and he owns 100 percent. And we are the managers and it's our job to manage what he's entrusted to us according to his wishes and his desires because he will hold us accountable for that. And so we need to always keep in our mind every decision we make, every action we take has spiritual consequences. You know, the first and most important stewardship decision we can make is offering our life to Jesus Christ by receiving him as our personal savior. That has the eternal consequence. Now, I wonder, have you ever done that? Have you come to that point in your life that you recognize that you're a sinner? That you believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried and who rose again? Declaring victory over death and over sin and providing for us the means of forgiveness. And then, have you asked God to forgive you and invited Jesus into your heart that he would become your Lord and your Savior?